of you are here. School is back in session, and that means we're kind of all getting back into our normal routines, which is, uh, I don't know about you, but that's good for my soul to kind of get back in the swing of things. There's so much this morning that, that God has already done and said. Let me move this real quick because otherwise I'm going to be tripping on it the whole time. Um, one of the things I just I want to point out, there's so much I wanted to point out, but I'm just going to, this one thing that, that Bethany said, and then it was just echoed through um, the kids' video and then also through testimonies, this idea of I can. We're going to see that come into play today through the message that God has for us. Um, if you haven't been here for a while or you're new with us today, I want to kind of give you some background for what we're doing. We're studying the book of James, um, which often can be looked at as a to-do list. James is actually New Testament wisdom literature, uh, and I, I want to bring that out this morning because I don't want you to think that uh, Will has gone on some kind of rampage and I got an agenda and I'm trying to speak something specific to someone today. That's not the case. We're just working through the book and then I'm just preaching whatever the Lord says, okay? Um, but our, our goal here is to get an understanding of what true faith really looks like. That's what we're chasing. That's what we're running after. We've defined biblical faith as the certainty that something will happen not based only on hope or our hard work, but on the revelation of God's truth and character. So to rephrase that, what we come to know of God as we spend time with him changes who we are on the inside. We're going to talk a lot about that today. As we spend time with God, developing our relationship with him, we learn more about him. That's our goal, to know God more progressively every day. Uh, I was thinking about this this week um, in the same way that we learn about the people who we do life with, we learn the same way about who God is. For example, I've been married to my wife for almost two decades, and I know her much better now than I did when we first got married. I know exactly what buttons not to push or else, right? Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. In the same way, we develop true faith as we spend time with the Father, as we spend time with Him, as we develop that relationship. Our, our lives change. As we do, not only does our faith continue to grow, but it also reveals itself. To build on that same illustration, I am a better person today because I have spent two decades with Bethany. And you guys get to reap the benefit of all of her hard work, right? Um, by the way, you're welcome to shout amen at things like that. Really, at any time, uh, feel free to, to jump in there. But God's desire is for us to know him. That's his goal. As we do, we are changed into his likeness, and the world reaps the benefit of our relationship with God until they get to a place where they can have their very own. I want to I bring out something that Paul says. Um, today we're looking at James, and, and this particular passage is one that often people try to pit James against Paul and say that they're saying two different things, and they're not, and I want us to see that today. So we're going to start today in Romans chapter 12. Read verses 1 through 2 with me. It'll be up on the screen. Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Myra, I thank you for the testimony this morning. If God tells you to do something, do it. It will be for your benefit. Paul is urging the church in Rome to let their understanding of God change how they live. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 9 through 21. And we're going to find this incredibly similar to what James says in, in the end of chapter 2 today. This is Romans 12, 9 through 21. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. 
Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. All of these things that Paul is describing are the natural byproduct of true faith. While it's natural, it still requires intentionality on our part. Relationships don't grow only because of proximity, but because we are actively involved in knowing one another. This is the call that Paul puts before us. And I wanted to start with this today because it's common for people, like I said a while ago, to pit Paul against James. And we're going to see today that they are preaching the same message. True faith is seen by a watching world. Look at me today. We're going to start in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. James says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give him what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. I want to point out in this particular passage that James is giving instruction and then he's giving an example, an illustration, okay? He begins with a few questions that without context lead to confusion. We're going to review those questions this morning. I want to remind us that James is writing to believers, followers of Christ who understand the role that faith plays in the life of a follower of God. So when James asks these questions, he knows that they're going to answer them correctly. I want to, I want to bring this out because it can be confusing. This is out of uh, a class that I'm in right now on the book of James. This is what uh, the author says. He says, now James, ask a rhetorical question in verse 15 that's very important. Many translations simply say, can faith save him? I believe the King James has that. Some other translations have that. Can faith save him? By asking the question that way, he's expecting a negative answer, but that raises a problem doesn't it? Can faith save him? Of course faith can save him. We are saved by faith. Is James contradicting the rest of the Bible by questioning if faith can save him? No, not at all. In the Greek, there's an article in front of faith, which means literally, can the faith save him? But what he means by that is, can the faith that I've just talked about in verse 14 save him? Look at it again, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, 
If someone claims to have faith but does not have works, can that kind of faith save him? So I want to rephrase these questions to help us understand what James is asking. So the first question is, can faith alone save a person? And the answer is absolutely yes. Scripture is more than clear that we are saved by faith alone. Number two, what is James describing? Is it a faith based on what we know of faith from the rest of Scripture? No, it's not. James is not asking, or is not questioning if faith can save a person. He knows that to be fact. He's asking us to consider other biblical examples of faith and compare them to the actions described in the beginning of that verse, in that illustration that he uses. He's asking if a person can call themselves faithful in their actions and then their faith, their actions don't line up with that faith that they are describing. James's questions are not about faith, but about what those people are calling themselves when they say faithful. I want to help us cement this in our minds this morning. Boys, would y'all come up? I asked Luke and, and Joshua to help me with an illustration this morning. And they've, they've made some, um, some paper airplanes. They're really good at that. I, I want us to understand that what James is saying, if one of you come here and one of you come here, um, what James is saying is that we cannot say that we have faith if our actions don't back it up. Y'all got, oh, where's the ones you already made? Go grab the ones you already made so we don't have to, they don't have to wait on you to make it. It'll be fine. It's not, it's not going to be a problem. So they've both made these airplanes, and we're going to have a contest to see which one works best. What's the purpose of an airplane? Y'all say it out loud. To fly, right? Okay, so that's so we all agree on that, right? That's the purpose of an airplane is to fly, all right? Then we're going to judge their merit, how good a plane they are, on how far they fly. Everybody good with that? Okay, so Joshua, you're going to throw yours that way. Don't do it yet. Luke, you're going to throw yours that way. Whichever one goes the furthest number of rows back is the winner. Everybody understand the rules? Okay, all right. Um, one of you, before we start, um, let, me, let me see one of them. It doesn't matter which one. Somebody hand me an airplane. Okay, good. This is Joshua's airplane. It's a very nice airplane. Um, I'm going to just, do, real quick, um, I'm just doing this real, just real quick. Just, it's it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Here. Okay, all right, ready, set, Go. Ooh, it was still close. All right, y'all go sit down. Thanks. All right. So, what's the purpose of an airplane? To fly. Is it still an airplane if it has no wings? No. Because it cannot fulfill its purpose. It's a, it's a rocket. Exactly right. Well, that's if the wings are mounted to the fuselage. Don't get into aerodynamics. With we'll, we'll go down a rabbit trail we don't need to be on today. Okay. Listen, this is the point that James is making, and I wanted that visual this morning, one, because it's fun, but also because I want, you to, I want this to be cemented in your brain. You can call it faith, but if it isn't changing how you interact with God and the world, it's not faith. James is making it clear that you cannot say that you have faith in Christ and then live in a manner that's inconsistent with faith. As we discussed in detail last week and many other times before, our purpose, I even said it this morning, our purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. That is what is most important to us as a body of believers. With that said, we cannot call ourselves faithful followers of Christ if we are not growing in our faith and making God known. This isn't Will's opinion, okay, just so we're clear. This is reality. Jesus said it way before I did. Look with me at Matthew chapter 5. Look what Jesus has to say about this. He says, you are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under his feet. You are a light to the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the basket. Everybody's singing this song now, aren't they? But rather, they put it on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, listen to this, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. So that they may see your good works and give glory to God, not to you. So that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Church, here's what I want you to understand today. That living a life of true faith is a non-negotiable for anyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ. If we say and we believe that we are followers of Christ, our lives should be as Jesus just described it. Not by our own works, but by what Christ is doing in and through us. In our passage today, James uses the example of someone without food and without clothing. If we say to them to stay warm and well-fed, yet you don't do anything to improve their situation, what good are our words without any action? Do they do that person any good? No. In fact, they make us look like a jerk, right? Think about that. Jesus has some pretty strong words for the church in Ephesus who have done something very much like that. And we're going to end with that word today. But I want to go on with what James continues to say. Look at verses 18 through 19. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good, even the demons believe and they shudder. James is is showing us that there is a difference between faith and belief. I believe it's a common misconception in the church. There are many who say they believe in God, yet they have not put their faith in Him. The thing about faith is that it reveals on whom or what it is founded. I want to say that again because I want you to get this. The thing about faith is, is that it reveals on whom or what that faith is founded. If your faith is in yourself, in your own abilities, the world will see that. If your faith is on who God is and what he can do, the world will see that. If you're in an airplane with no wings, you ain't no airplane. Okay? That's how that works. Our faith, our trust, and our belief in God, the God who saved us from ourselves, those things combined are the essence of who we are. Without our faith in action, we have nothing. James goes on to say in verse 20, senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Was it Abraham, our father, justified by works in offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Do you see what James is describing, the process that's happening here? Abraham had true faith in God. And that faith affected how Abraham interacted with God. God told him, go sacrifice this son that you have longed your whole life for. And because his faith was true, Abraham obeyed. And then God saved his son. And Abraham's faith was seen by others and their response 
to what God had done in Abraham's life as they saw Abraham's action was that this is a man who is God's friend. God's glory was revealed through Abraham's faithful action. This is how it works, not just in Abraham's life, but in our lives. Our faith grows as we obey. People see our action. They see our works. They see God for who he is, and the door is open for them to know who God is for themselves. James also asked the question, if we want to learn the hard way that faith without works is useless. He's saying you can chance it. You can say that you have faith without works, but one day you're going to stand before God and you will answer for yourself. Without obedience, which only comes through faith, we are not followers of Christ. James goes on to say in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's talk about verse 24 for just a minute because this is a stumbling point for a lot of people. I want to read it again. James says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That seems to be a clear contradiction to the rest of Scripture, but that's not the case. James is saying that a faith that saves, that saves us, also produces work. A faith that saves us also produces work. The, the Lexham Survey of Theology says it this way, and I, wanted you to, I want you guys to see this for yourself, to know that I'm not making this up. It says, Paul proclaims that all who believe are justified by faith without works, right? We all agree that. In other words, believers are reckoned as righteous by God, not on the basis of their good works, but because of what Christ has achieved for them, received by faith. The reformers coined the doctrine of justification by faith alone. This does not mean that faith exists on its own. Saving faith is expressed in baptism is joined with repentance and works through love. Christians are not justified by such things, but nor are they justified without them. It is only faith that saves, not because faith is greater than love or any other virtue, but because faith unites believers with Christ, in whom and because of whom they are accepted. So faith alone justifies, but the faith that justifies is never alone. It never exists without love and good works. A faith that justifies is never alone. Rahab trusted the Israelite spies. She hid them, sent them through another way to protect them. And her faith in them was proven by her actions. Listen to me, church. I want you to hear this. If your faith isn't evident in your life, if it isn't making an impact on how you make daily decisions I would challenge that it may not be real. I don't say this to be harsh, but to bring any who are confused into the reality of what Paul and James and Jesus teach. Saying that you believe in God is not proof that you do. This is James's point. True faith reveals itself. If you have true faith, it will show itself. There's a shocking lack of true faith in the church today, and that is the very reason that the church is in decline. 
We've heard the statistics before about how many churches are closing their doors. We are in this building today because the church that was here before us, I don't know their story, but it closed down. And this building is not unique to any other. This is why people don't want anything to do with churches or Christians. We have so many people claiming that they know Christ. Paul, or James talked about this earlier in the book. People who claim that they know Christ and their actions don't match up. And when the watching world sees that, they say, that, this whole thing is a lie. It's a sham. I don't want any part of that. And who can blame them? Right? If you, it's lunchtime, right? Everybody's getting hungry. Let's say you decide you're going to go eat a steak. And you go to a steakhouse and you sit down and you look at the menu and all they got on there is vegetables. You're going to be upset about it, right? As you should be. That's not what you went there for. And when the church, when the world looks at the church and they see what we do and then they hear what we say and those things don't match up, they get upset about it as they should. James says, verse 20, senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless. So church, it doesn't matter if we say we believe something and then never let it affect how we live. Look how Jesus addresses this issue when he looks at the church in Ephesus. Because this is not something new that is happening. This is a problem that has existed since the church existed. This is out of Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, Write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. The one who's holding all that, that's Jesus, okay? Jesus says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. Jesus is saying, good job, church. You nailed it. Then he says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you first had. Remember how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I saw a clip this week of KB preaching from this sermon. If you don't know who KB is, he's a Christian rapper. Amazing guy. So he's preaching on this and he makes this point. That we can have right theology. We can have all the right musicians, we can have the right sound, we can have all the right stuff, quote unquote. But if we do not have love, Jesus says, I'm going to shut this whole thing down. It's not enough to just say that I believe in God. James says, because he saw it happen in his life where the demons talked to Jesus. They believe that he's the son of God and yet it did them no good. It's not enough just to believe. We have to elect, let that belief affect our lives. The church of Ephesus had it all together from the world's perspective. However, Jesus saw through all the smoke and mirrors to their hearts. And while it looked from the outside like everything was great, it wasn't. They had forgotten what was most important, loving God and loving others. Jesus said, you're doing all this so well, but I got one thing against you. You've forgotten the love. In this passage in James and in Revelations, this, these two passages ought to shake us to our cores. Who are we? What kind of church are we building? Are we building faith by experiencing God or are we just playing church? 
God is calling each of us in this room to check our motives. Are we going through the motions or are we actively growing in our faith? And if you say, yes, I'm growing in my faith, are other people seeing that? Are they reaping the benefits of your relationship with Jesus? Growing in faith is not just for this season. I don't want anybody to walk in this room thinking, this is a hard message, glad Will preached it, and then forget about it and think we're going to just move on from here. Because we can't. Growing in faith is the mission of our church. It is the mission of the church globally. The church, big T, big C, is to know God and then to love others. This is our main priority. All other things are secondary. If we allow anything to take the place of that mission, we fall into the same trap that the church of Ephesus did. We can have right theology, we can have the right musicians, we can have the chairs full of people. But if we've missed the point, we've missed everything. Our love for God and for one another defines us. It makes us the church and nothing else matters. When we walk by faith in obedience to what God has said, people take notice. As most of you guys know, we're going to let um, Punto de Conexión use our facilities. That's the church that JJ and Myra are planting. Okay, they're going to use our building on Sunday evenings. And we're doing that because the Holy Spirit started with me. The first time they visited our church, I looked at JJ and I thought, man, I wonder if God would have us use, let them use our facility. But I, I kind of waved it off as, oh, it's probably just me. And then later, JJ, without me saying anything, came up to me and said, do you think you guys would let us use your facility? Let me, I didn't say all of it, but I said, let me talk to our elders and I'll get back to you. God had already confirmed it in my heart by J.J. asking. And then I went to our elders and we prayed about it and God confirmed with us. Yes, we're to let them use our building. And so word's kind of getting out. I've shared it with you guys. I've shared it with some other people in my life, some people in my circle. And I've had a couple of people come up to me and say, I can't believe y'all are doing that. And, and this, these are their words. I wrote it down. It says, most churches wouldn't allow that. Which for me was another confirmation that it's from God. <laughs> okay. I share that story because I want you to see that when the church listens to what God has to say, people notice it. When God is working in your life, when you are actively pursuing your relationship with Him, when your faith is growing, people are going to see it. It's going to stand out. When we listen to God, when we do what it says, it gets people's attention. And I, for one, am looking forward with great anticipation of what God is going to do through TGP West and Punto de Conexión. And by the way, if you hadn't made the connection yet, the gathering place, point of connection, was pretty similar, just saying. Church, God wants to work in your personal life. Don't miss out on the blessing that comes from knowing God and loving others. American culture is convinced so many that simply claiming Jesus and occasionally attending a church is all that God desires of us. And it's just not true. As we've seen from both James and Paul and also from Jesus, that idea, that American idea of just joining, just going to a church every now and then and that checks your box, it's just not true. That's not what God's after. God wants you to know him. And as you do, you will fall in love with him. And your faith will be evident to you and to other people around you. 
and to go back to our kids' messages this morning. There's some things in your life that God has called you to do that maybe you're a little nervous about. But Jesus very obviously wants you to know this morning that through his power, you can. You can do the things that he's called you to do. Put your faith in Jesus by obeying what he has said. And this is what I wrote for the final line, and it echoes Myra's testimony this morning. If we will put our trust in Jesus and obey what he says, we will experience the joy and the freedom and the love that is knowing Jesus and loving others. If we'll just hear God's voice and do what he says, God's going to blow the doors open to what we think we know of freedom and joy and love. Let's pray. God has a challenging message for me today about my own personal life, about how I put my, my faith into action. God, it's my, my prayer and my desire for my brothers and sisters in Christ and for myself that we wouldn't leave here today thinking, okay, we just got to do some more stuff for Jesus. God, it's my hope and my prayer that, that all of us see through Scripture that your call for us is simply for us to know you in a way that affects the rest of our lives in a way that changes our priorities so that people get to see who you are. God, it is our desire to know you and to make you known. Jesus, give us opportunities today, tomorrow, the rest of this week to just live in obedience to who you have called us to be and to have conversations with people as they see your work in our lives and they say, what's going on here? Why are you this way? Why does your life look like this? God, let us use the opportunity that that affords to share the gospel, to share the greatness of who you are. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for all that you've done for us. Amen.